Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, and whatever part of the day you're in. Thank you for joining me as always and giving me a little bit of your time. And for those of y'all that continue to share the podcast, and to help it grow, as it seems to do, almost each week. Thank you. It's, it's kind of amazing to watch. So we're going to take one of our little walks down the dirt road today. It is pretty windy. I'm sure you all can hear that in the trees overhead. Hopefully it's not so loud that you can't hear, <laughs> assuming you want to. Have one puppy dog. Stella has decided to come out, at least briefly, although she's already looking like she found something off in the woods to go chase. And I do have an update on the turkey chick saga, if you want to call it that. We have no more turkey chick. I don't know what happened to it, but Mama has lost them all, so. Kind of surprised they lasted this long, actually. We'll, we'll try again at some point. Get another Tom that won't chase people, maybe. We'll see. All right, so I thought I had left this topic. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized I really needed to just stay right here at least one more time. And so we're going to go back to life. And the first thing that I, I feel like I, I did not mention last time, and this is a huge issue, folks. There's absolutely no excuse for, as a nation, for Roe v. Wade. It's a direct result of the separation of church and state doctrine that the Supreme Court started 80 years ago, give or take. And it is, it goes completely against our founding faith and principles. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. It's a, it is an evil that blots out anything else we've ever done to the nation, including slavery. There's no competition. It puts us in league with people like Stalin and Mao and almost any communist socialist dictator in the 20th century. We dwarf what Hitler did to the Jews, talking about six, seven, eight million compared to the fact that we, in the last 50 years since Roe v. Wade, have slaughtered over 63 million of our own. All that said, folks, if you have been a participant in that, if at some point in your life you have gone down that road, whether it's been personally you as a mom, woman, or if it's been as somebody that helped or encouraged somebody else down that path by taking them to a clinic or, or whatever it is, folks, there's forgiveness for that 
at the foot of the cross. 100% absolutely there is forgiveness from Jesus Christ. And you need to hear that and know that if you don't. You need to know that there's healing there. You need to know that there is the potential for wholeness again there. It doesn't wipe away the consequences of our actions in this life, folks, but it absolutely absolutely makes us whole going into eternity. and, and, And it's the blood of Jesus Christ. There's absolutely forgiveness there. I want to make sure that I said that because I'm going to hammer this pretty hard. So if you if you need to hear that again, make sure you go back and listen to that a few times. Just this few beginning little 30 seconds or a minute. Because then I'm going to move back on to the fact that Roe v. Wade is a national stain. It is exactly what President Grant and Patrick Henry and so many others have talked about from the proverb in the Bible that says righteousness alone can exalt a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. This is a sin that goes straight back, a national sin that is destroying our country. And again, it it all goes back to that separation of church that just, I just don't, I don't see any other option there, folks, for that Supreme Court body that started all this nonsense besides gross ignorance on a subject that they were supposed to be experts on or gross malevolence intent to undermine and destroy our republic. Maybe you see a third option. And you can let me know. I, I do not. So we're going to go talk about this. And we're going to start with the Declaration of Independence. Our founding document as a nation. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. And I'm going to pull today, folks, just a little side note. I'm going to pull from the Founders Bible, which I cannot recommend highly enough, any of these, really, the Patriots Bible and the American God and Country Encyclopedia. If you don't have at least one copy of each of those books, I would strongly recommend getting them and probably more than one copy, if for no other reason than to give to somebody else. But if you really are going to use this and make it and you're going to start to dig into this, you're going to wear these out, I promise. And they need to be worn out, folks. Uh, I'm not going to belabor this point, but the fact that we give hours and hours and just one day to athletic events, and then we struggle to even find 15, 20, 30 minutes a day for God, and, and then the same for our spouse, 
is disgraceful. You know, the pastor, and I've had a couple use this analogy. If you think it's going to rain, you take an umbrella. If you really believe it's going to rain that day, you take an umbrella. If we really believe in God and Jesus Christ, or even if you choose not to, but you really believe that those are the founding principles of America, that has to change the way you act. That has to become a priority. I'm going to leave that. So let's talk about, because this, this from the Declaration of Independence, this creator part, this is God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, the Holy Spirit. Make no doubt, folks, anybody that says otherwise is either ignorant of history or purposefully making a false statement. And so let's talk about how some of our founders saw these inalienable rights. John Dickinson wrote letters from a farmer in Pennsylvania, considered the penman of the revolution, very influential founding father, signer of the Constitution. He defined these inalienable rights as ones which God gave to you and which no inferior power has the right to take away, meaning the state. Government doesn't have the right. This is kind of like when we talk about marriage. Marriage is a God institute, not a man institute. So, so men really have no power or say over marriage, and, and they have no power and say over these inalienable rights that our founders listed. And the very first one is what? Life. The very first one, the right to life. There's no right to abortion. There's no right to a mother to, to murder her own child or a father to force her to or encourage her to or a doctor to rip that baby out of the womb. There's no right anywhere in the entire Declaration, Constitution, founding documents, Supreme Court cases. There is no right to murder a baby inside a woman's body. There is, however, listed from the very beginning, the right to life. John Adams, talking about inalienable rights also, antecedent to all earthly government, rights that cannot be repealed or restrained by human laws, rights derived from the great legislator of the universe. They come from God. Men can't do anything about it. It comes from God. John Quincy Adams those inalienable rights, again, given by his creator, can't be taken away by force nor transferred from him to anyone else. Hence, these rights derived are declared to be inalienable. Every individual has these rights, not from man, not from the state, not from government. See, this is the thing that the left so despises. And left, again, Communism, fascism, socialism, Nazism, leftism, they're all just different shades of the same evil, folks. The people that support them support just a varying shade of evil. They cannot stand the fact that God is in control. That's really the base thing. And then, and then the, way that, the way you see that in countries is they can't stand that our rights come from God, not the state. That it's not the state that gets to decide what we get and what we don't, what rights we have and what rights we don't. And that just, man, that just drives them crazy. They can't stand that fact. But that's what's destroying our country right now. So <clears throat> I'm going to go to Dickinson. 
just for a minute and, and kind of talk about a couple of his quotes and just a little bit of background. And then we're going to jump up to a little bit more modern times and kind of try and tie all this in to this right to life. So Dickinson wrote the same year that the Constitution was adopted. Kings or parliaments could not give the rights essential to happiness. We claim them from a higher source, from the King of Kings and the Lord of all the earth. They are not annexed to us by parchments or seals. They are created in us by the decrees of providence, which established the laws of our nature. They are born, born within us and cannot be taken from us by any human power. I, I, I love the fact that he said born within us in that quote, because they come from us, folks, as soon as soon as we are, as soon as we exist. These rights are transferred over to us, particularly again. This right to life. There is no right anywhere to take away, to murder a baby in the womb. No mother has that right. No father has that right. No doctor has that right. But that baby, that baby does have a right to life. A little background on Dickinson, just, just to kind of hammer home this side point, folks, which is it's not a side point. It's the main point, really. But that they're always talking about God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is an excerpt out of America's God and Country Encyclopedia of Quotations. John Dickinson met with the other delegates from Pennsylvania less than two months before the Declaration of Independence was signed to suggest requirements, requirements, folks, for the members of the convention to sub subscribe to before being seated. One of the recommended stipulations was the following declaration. I do profess faith in God the Father and in Jesus Christ, his eternal Son, the true God, and in the Holy Spirit, one God, blessed forevermore. And I do acknowledge the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be given by divine inspiration. Our founders knew that you couldn't force a person to faith, force a person not to faith, but again, they also knew that for this country to survive, we had to have a people that believed in Jesus Christ in God, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And and they knew that our leaders, we talk about John Jay often, that said it was our duty and our privilege to, to elect Christians as our leaders. Dickinson here, same thing, and this was before John Jay, but he's saying the same thing. He's saying, in order to sit at this convention that's going to create this constitution, one of the stipulations, one of the requirements for delegates would be that they believed in God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that they acknowledged the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be given by divine inspiration. That, that, just, that just flies straight in the face of that horrific separation of church and state decision by the Supreme Court. It's just not true. There, there was no desire by our founders to separate church and state the way the modern left has defined it. None. Zero. And then you talk about life. The idea that we can just kill our own citizens whenever we want to. So how does this? So let's go. 
let's go back to the Bible. I'm just going to pick one verse today. This is out of Jeremiah. So this is the Old Testament, which Dickinson said needed to be subscribed to by delegates to the Constitutional Convention as divinely inspired. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. Before we were ever born, folks, God knew us. When we were still in our mother's womb, God knew us. And yet we as men have decided that we have the right to take that inalienable right from a baby, our most defenseless, our most vulnerable, and just blot it out. And then we think there's not going to be a price to pay. Even if this Supreme Court case actually goes through and Roe v. Wade is overturned, folks, that is not going to completely wipe away this national sin. There was a huge consequence for slavery. You could make the argument that we're still paying the price today because of all the bigotry that you see via critical race theory and others, the, the woke culture. There's going to be a huge enduring price to pay and we're just starting to see the tip of the iceberg for the fact that we have decided we could slaughter 63 million of our own people this is jumping forward and this is probably uh, where i'm going to end this is henry hyde served 32 years in the house of representatives described as a passionate eloquent champion and a powerful defender of the unborn and of american freedom made this comment on July 16, 1993, that all men are created equal and are endowed, and are endowed by their creator, human beings upon creation, not upon birth. That is where our human dignity, dignity comes from. It comes from the creator. It is an endowment, not an achievement. By membership in the human family, we are endowed by our creator with inalienable rights. Inalienable. They can't be voted away by a jury or a court, even the Supreme Court, folks, among which are life, the first inalienable right, the first endowment from the creator. That is mainstream America, the predicate for our Constitution, our country's birth certificate to respect the right to life as an endowment from the creator. It is the unborn who are the least of God's creatures. We have been told that whatsoever we do for the least of these, we do unto Jesus. If you're a Christian, folks, that last statement ought to absolutely terrify you that we've had a country that has whatever we've done to the least of these, we do to Jesus. And we've slaughtered 63 of our own. And don't don't sit there and pretend that you haven't participated, even if you haven't directly participated in that. Because what have you done to stop it? What have you really done? Because I haven't done anything to stop it. Not really. I, I would be absolutely pressed, hard pressed against the wall to look Jesus and tell him, yeah, I really, I worked real hard to stop my country slaughtering their own children. And if you're not, if you don't profess faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, A, I would strongly recommend a change in that. First and foremost, but B, but you still acknowledge the need to follow these principles, then realize that as a country, by allowing abortion, which again tells, goes straight back to separation of church and state, we have been going 
180 degrees against our founding faith and principles as a nation. And you can't do that. No society can do that. No business can do that. No organization can do that. You can't go directly against your founding principles and hope to remain stable. The fact that we've allowed this is egregious enough, folks. The fact that the left is rabidly angry about the possibility of overturning Roe v. Wade has to go back to what I've been talking about the last few podcasts off and on with Churchill and the Nazis. Churchill knew that there was no reconciliation with the Nazis. Our founders knew that there was eventually no reconciliation with loyalists in Britain. Lincoln and Grant knew that there was no appeasement or reconciliation with the South at some point. We have to wake up and realize as a nation, there is no reconciliation or coexistence with citizens that continue to vote for, support, defend, or be indifferent to these evil principles on the left. You can't do it. We've been trying to do it for almost a century. It doesn't work, folks. One side or the other is going to win. And no, secession is not the answer. We don't have any right to give away what our fathers and mothers have sweat for, bled for, cried for, given up loved ones for. We have no right or responsibility to give away one single square inch of what they fought for. We absolutely have a right to care for the widow and the orphan, the poor and the needy, the least of these and to fight against evil at every possible turn, even if that evil is domestic, is our fellow citizens. I had some more folks, but I think I'm going to leave y'all with it. We'll come back to it at some point. I'm almost positive, God willing. Remember Patrick Henry? I heard this this weekend again. In the sermon, our pastor was talking about the influence that you have as a parent. Whatever you do, folks, whether you're a parent or not, a grandparent, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, a nurse, a custodian, janitor, truck driver, cashier, plumber, electrician, whatever it is that you do, engineer, You have influence. You have a sphere of influence, and you have to spread the truth in that sphere of influence. We have been quiet long enough. We have tried to appease evil long enough. It isn't working. We're hurting our children. We're hurting the poor and the needy. We're hurting the widow and the orphan. Remember that sphere of influence. Remember how much influence and and power in a good way that you have. God bless y'all. God bless your families. God bless America. We'll talk to y'all again real soon. Looking forward to it.